1: ACC champions, they actually did it. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and you know what we're talking about today, Pitt football winning the ACC championship over Wake Forest. What an absolutely incredible achievement. Uh, So a, a whole lot to talk about in this episode. We're going to be talking about, uh, you know, sort of a rundown through the game, what the thought process was, uh, the key players in this, uh, you know, the, the experience down in Charlotte, Kenny Pickett, uh, Pitt's ranking, the, the Peach Bowl, everything we're going to be talking about. So first, uh, let's just look at this from sort of a wider perspective, and, and then we'll get into the game. This is absolutely incredible. I legitimately never thought that Pitt would win the ACC. I was a student at Pitt when it was announced that they were going to join the ACC. I was a freshman. And my junior year was the first year that they were in the ACC. And when that happened, I didn't think there was any shot that that Pitt would ever win the ACC championship because you looked at the teams at the time and you looked at Pitt at the time. Pitt was 6-6, six and six, and they seemed to always be 6-6. Six and six. Compare that to, it was before Clemson got huge. Clemson was good, but Florida State was amazing. And Virginia Tech was a really good program. And Miami was a good program. And I just didn't see a way that Pitt could actually win the ACC. And then especially when Clemson uh, started going on their run, I really didn't see how there'd be any way that Pitt could win the ACC because for years and years, the, uh, I, I believe, in fact, I believe it was, it might've been, I think I saw a stat that it said 10 years where the Atlantic champion won the ACC. It was, it was either Clemson or it was Florida State. Whoever won that division would beat the team who that won the Coastal and go on to, to be the ACC champs. Well, because of that, because of the other programs, because of Pitt, I thought, okay, there's a chance they win the Coastal, but it's not going to really amount to anything. And that seemed to be the case a few years ago when Pitt made the ACC Championship uh when they made it to the game. They won the Coastal, it was a really good season, but no one thought they were going to beat Clemson in that game with everything on the line, and they didn't, and it wasn't close. But this year something was special. Something was incredibly special with this Pitt football team. And they proved everybody wrong. And they went out there and they won the ACC. And they, they were the best team in the ACC. This was not even if Pitt had somehow beaten Clemson a few years ago, where, okay, you win the conference, but no one actually thinks you're the best team. This year, everyone knows that Pitt was the best team in the ACC. They played Clemson straight up, and they won. They won comfortably. They beat Clemson down. They played Wake Forest, the team that for most of the season was the best team in the ACC, was the highest ranked team in the ACC, and they beat them down. Pitt is, without a doubt, the best team in the Atlantic Coast Conference this season. No question about it. And that's amazing. I did not think that would happen. I did not think there'd be a season where Pitt wouldn't just be better than Miami and Virginia Tech and North Carolina, but that they would be better than Florida State and Clemson. That's just incredible. And they did it. They won the ACC, and it really is a remarkable achievement. Did not think it would happen, uh, and, uh, and all the credit in the world. To, uh, to those that made it happen. So what we're going to do now is we're going to sort of go through the game and the thought process during it. Now, I was at the game. If my voice sounds a little bit different, it's because I lost it after the game or, you know, on Sunday. Uh, and so uh, it is uh, recovering. But, uh, you know, that's the kind of atmosphere you can tell. If you weren't there, that's the kind of atmosphere that it was. Uh, to be at this game. It was just non-stop cheering and yelling and excitement and uh, it was uh, a celebration, especially down the stretch. and it was really an incredible uh, atmosphere. So we're gonna go through the game as it happened and sort of the the roller coaster that it became and and how uh, it felt at the time. so we'll we'll start at the beginning from uh, the experience standpoint. even before the uh, the game, uh, Charlotte absolutely swarmed with pit fans. There were so many pit fans there uh, at restaurants, at bars, at breweries, just hanging out around Charlotte. Really took over the city. Uh, then game time comes. Uh, going into it, it seemed like pit fans would outnumber Wake fans two to one because all the pit fans there were early. It was packed, and the Wake Forest fans weren't really there. No one really saw them during the day. Week Forest is a little over an hour, so there's a decent chance that those fans just drove in from Winston-Salem, parked at the stadium, and then just went straight to the game. So, sort of a different experience, I guess, for them. By the time that the game started, uh, I would say it was about 50-50, roughly, maybe 55-45 Pitt fans. It, it was pretty close. I think the pit fans were louder and more into the game. But in terms of just number of people, it was pretty close. I think Pitt had maybe a few more fans there, but it was fairly close and the stadium was it's it's a nice stadium uh it's you know downtown which is always a nice thing and it uh, it, it was pretty full. I would say it was somewhere between 80 to 90 percent full somewhere in that range. So you know overall considering it's not Clemson and it's not Florida State and it's not these programs that have absolutely gigantic fan bases and histories of, you know, making it to this sort of a game, it was uh, it was it was a nice sized crowd, uh, and and people were into it, especially the Pitt fans, uh, the Wake Forest fans. A little bit surprising from my perspective, I was expecting them to be similar to Boston College fans, similar to Georgia Tech fans, where you know they're. Um, they're, they're great students and they focus more on education than athletics. And yeah, this is a lot of fun and it's a nice outlet. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're not going to, uh, you know, get too over the top. They're not going to get too, uh, out of control or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I thought it'd be, I thought it'd be kind of a similar fandom to, to Pitt and that, you know, they don't expect too much, and something like this happening is really incredible, and, you know, they're going to go enjoy it and, and have a good time. What I experienced from most Wake fans was was awful. I, I'm not even going to lie. It, it was really out of control and really uh, classless. Um, I mean, there I don't know if it has anything to do with sort of the the stereotype ironically of of Wake Forest people being sort of a higher class and a more privileged class. Uh, and if that carried over at all, but for whatever reason, it just was not uh, a friendly uh, bunch for the most part. Uh, now obviously that it's a generalization, but from what I saw, that was a good amount of what I saw. There were a great many wake fans who I saw who, you know, I didn't interact with, you just walk past them in the concourse. So, you know, I can't say anything about them. Uh, there was a Wake Forest fan, uh, next to me, to my right, who, uh, was a middle-aged, uh, gentleman and his daughter was in her twenties and thirties and they were there together. Uh, and they were incredibly nice and they were great and they cheered on their team and, and, you know, just had a nice time and they were nice to talk to. Uh, they drove down from Greensboro and, and, you know, good for them. They were great. They were absolutely lovely. But there were some others that just were were out of control. I mean, there there were uh, – the, uh, it's funny. There, there were sort of two ends to the Wake fans. Uh, on one end of the spectrum, the person sitting directly in front of me spent about half the game, about 50% of the time, uh, on his phone looking at his stock portfolio and scrolling through all these different stocks. It was absolutely bizarre, like, during the game, like, critical moments. And there were some times when he'd watch the game, but then other times he was just scrolling through his stock app. Pretty weird. Uh, And then there were other uh, Wake fans who, again, just really unpleasant and out of control. Uh, There was a person who—the seats behind me were empty for most of the game. There was a person who, at a random point, uh, you know, midway through the game, just came up to the seats behind me, uh, and and my friends, and he just knocked my hat off my head, and then he just started like making a ton of noises and like trying to get a rise out of us. He it was really drunk, um, but just you know being antagonistic, just being a jerk. Like I I just don't understand why a person would do that. Like why you go out of your way to go up to someone from the other fan base and, like, just try to antagonize them or get a rise out of them. It just seems stupid. Uh, But that was one experience. Uh, There was another, the worst experience, there was a person a few rows in front uh, who was absolutely terrible. Uh, I I believe the section was 256. So if anyone's listening was in that section, it was actually 253. My apologies, 253. So if anyone was in 253, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about uh he spent most of the game turned around not you'd wa- watch the game and then he would turn around antagonizing pit fans uh and pointing them out and just again like antagonizing strangers just such a weird thing to do and this guy was absolutely hammered he was in his 20s i think maybe 30s i don't know his dad his dad was with him the dad was also drunk was also trying to start fights with people both of them were just trying to start fights which is just such a weird thing to do at a football game and, and stupid. But that's what they were doing. They were trying to start fights. Uh, and later in the game, as it became a blowout and they're starting to leave and these people are drunker and drunker and, you know, the, the, the dad was telling the kid to leave. He said, okay, let's go. And then someone in my row was sort of playing into this guy and saying, okay, you know, bye and sort of like waving him off. Um, and this guy lost it. He ended up coming up to our row. Uh, and trying to start a fight and trying to drag the person out like into the concourse where they would have a fight, uh, the person would not go. Uh, he then threw a beer bottle at our row, um, a Bud Light beer bottle, and uh, it hit one person. It got beer on a couple others, including myself. Uh, there was a child seated right in front of us, uh, just absolutely absurd. And I'll mention security at the stadium seemed to be non-existent. Uh, on the inside um so yeah really uh, in that aspect um just completely dropped the ball a lot of wake fans were incredibly aggressive and antagonistic and no one seemed to care um in terms of stadium staff and, and trying to keep things you know civil it just didn't seem to matter uh I, i'd say maybe one of the, the worst marks on the wake fans was early in the game a pit player got injured and they started uh, doing a chant they did their their wake forest chant uh, while the player was on the ground injured uh, which is pretty messed up. There's a guy injured on the ground. it's like universally known. you just sort of stay quiet and respectful and we gets up you know the person gets up then you give him a, a nice applause and then you you know sort of go back to What you were doing. So the first time they did a Wake Forest cheer. And then the second time they did another Wake Forest cheer. And then by the third time, the second that a pit player would go down, they just automatically started booing, which is absurd to boo an injured player. Even if you think, well, maybe he's faking it. You don't boo an injured college student down on the field. Like, to me, that's just absolutely absurd. So uh, that was the experience. Uh, that people had with Wake fans. And then talking to Pitt fans during and after the game, everyone seemed to have generally the same experience, that everyone going into it thought that they were going to be nice and chill and friendly, and that everyone was shocked at how ornery they were and how hostile they were. Uh, And I'm shocked, too. I would have guessed that they'd be one of the most pleasant fan bases in the ACC. Uh, Instead, they might be the least pleasant uh, that... uh, that I've encountered so far, um, just really bizarre, absolutely surprising, but, uh, most of the interactions that I had, uh, with Wake fans at the game, just really antagonistic, and they were very hostile, and, uh, and just not, uh, what I would expect at all, uh, from, uh, that sort of a school. So, during the actual game, uh, you know, just taking a look at, at how things went, uh, of course, we'll start off with the fakes, the uh, fake slide from Kenny Pickett, the now infamous fake slide to me. That was incredible. It's not in the rule book that you can't do that. Um, it, it's not, it obviously wasn't pla- like he initially planned to slide. It was not, oh, the whole time he was planning that. I mean, he said himself, he's never done that before in his life. And I don't even think you can really plan for that. It's just not a normal natural human movement, but he, he was going to go down. He saw the defenders pulling up. They weren't you know, they were stopping their run. And so then he stopped. Uh, he stopped the, the motion that would lead to him sliding. He did not begin the slide. He wasn't, He did not have a leg down. He simply did what you normally do when you're going to begin to slide. And then he decided he wasn't. And that's a great move. That's absolutely incredible. It was legendary. And then, of course, he runs it in for a touchdown. Uh, it's not his fault that there's nothing in the rule book saying that you can't start to begin the motions. I mean, even if it were, it's remarkably subjective. I don't know how it would be policed moving forward. But to say that you can't initiate cuz it's one thing to say start a slide but he didn't really start the slide uh so you know what when one leg buckles that's when the play is dead i mean it's just absurd and if the defensive players from the Demon Deacons stopped running that's on them i mean the the rule says that you can't tackle a player who is sliding but once they begin their slide it doesn't say that you just stop running. I mean, you, you still, that's on them that they stopped everything. All you just have to do is not tackle the player. Uh, it doesn't mean that the play is over. It's similar to when a a player, like an edge rusher is rushing a quarterback. When the quarterback gets rid of the ball, that means you can't tackle him or it's, you know, uh, roughing the passer. That doesn't mean stop what you're doing and take a seat because there's still a play going on that could still involve you in some way. So, to me, that was just a mistake from the Wake Forest defense. Kenny Pickett capitalized on it. And it's going to be one of the most legendary plays in Pitt history. Because this was one of the most legendary moments in Pitt history. Outside of the national championships, this is one of the best moments. This is the best moment in modern history. Since the early 80s, certainly, this is the best moment for Pitt football. And what Kenny Pickett did with that play to to set the tone, to start things off absolutely incredible play if there's ever going to be a statue of kenny pickett i think it's going to be in that pose uh it, it's just so it, it was really exciting to see not just for pit people but nationwide it got so much media attention and of course there's some backlash but in my opinion it's stupid it was a great play it's not against a single rule or a spirit of a rule uh if they want to change the rule that's fine i can understand that uh moving forward but What he did was completely legal and completely fine, uh, and I think it just became a legendary play. And that, again, is that's going to be the play that people remember really the whole season for. I mean, there are things this season that I've already forgotten. Uh, Some of the specifics from the Clemson game, from the North Carolina game, from the Virginia game. One thing no one is going to forget ever is the fake slide just absolutely incredible. And, uh, and so that is going to be probably the defining play of the season. Uh, whether or not it was the single most important play, I'm not sure, but I would say that's the defining moment of this season, which is the defining season in pit modern history. So just absolutely incredible. So then the second drive, Wake Forest offense takes over Sam Hartman and the offense, they're rolling and the Pitt defense does not look good. They're giving up penalties, Uh, there are some injuries, Uh, early on Kalasha Kansi got hurt, and that looked bad, and then Wake Forest just marches down the field, and they score a touchdown. So now it's tied 7-7, there are still like 11 minutes left in the first quarter, I mean it's really early, Hartman is just, you know, just killing you with a thousand cuts, just moving the ball down the field 10 yards at a time, 6 yards at a time, whatever it is, and uh, it looked like it was going to be, without a doubt, you know, first to to fifty-five points wins. Then Pitt gets the ball back. Uh, they go down the field. They have some creative plays. There's a, a screen pass uh, to the left side that was excellent. Rodney Hammond and and they run it into the end zone and it's a touchdown. Pitt's up fourteen to seven. Next play, Wake Forest gets it back, and uh, the defense. Again, just collapsed. They really did not look good. And it was to the point that Pitt fans just thought, yeah, this is not going to be a good game because if Kenny Pickett makes a single mistake, in fact, it was really the next drive, I should say, when the vibes really started to go downhill. Because at that point, it looked like, okay, this is a shootout, and whoever doesn't score a touchdown first, that's going to be the team that loses. So then Pitt gets the ball back, 14-14. They worked the ball down the field. But there are some, uh, some questionable decisions, uh, and there was um, uh, a chop block called against Pitt. Anyway, they ended up having to kick a 49-yard field goal, and it was no good, which is not too surprising. So at that point, Pitt is the first team that had the ball that didn't uh, get a touchdown with it, didn't score at all. Then week four, as the very next drive, does what they did all game long, which is... Again, six yards at a time, ten yards at a time. They just move the ball down the field. There was a pass interference called on Eric Hallett, which I think was a terrible call. I thought he was playing the ball perfectly fine, and but they call pass interference, and that moves the ball down further. And then uh, Wake Forest gets a touchdown. And at that point, I think everyone thought this is not going Pitt's way, that there's no way that Kenny Pickett can keep up with the pace that Sam Hartman and the Wake Forest offense is going. The Pitt defense looked awful, looked really, really bad. The officials had some questionable calls that benefited Wake Forest early. I think a lot of people uh, on Twitter, a lot of people in the stadium, just a lot of people in general thought, this is not going to go well. And, uh, And then the next drive, Pitt has the ball on offense, uh, there was, uh, a high snap, I believe from the center, Owen Drexel, who did not have his finest game. There was a false star penalty. Pitt had to punt it away. Uh, it was rough. And I think if Wake Forest had, if you talk about alternate timelines, alternate universes, if Wake Forest then gets the ball back, scores a touchdown and goes up 28 to 14, I'm not entirely sure if Pitt recovers. I'm not entirely sure if Pitt wins that game. Um, but Pitt ended... Uh, that uh, that sec- that first quarter and into the second quarter with an interception. Uh, it was a, a huge interception for the Panthers, where, again, I, I think there's a decent chance that if Wake Forest goes up 28-14, that's it. But Marquise Williams got a big interception on Sam Hartman. Uh, and that really seemed, okay, this defense isn't just going to be walked all over. They will be able to get a stop. Uh, the next drive. Pitt has the ball. Uh, It ended up being a turnover on downs. They went for it, which um, I am fine with the decision to go for it instead of try to kick a field goal. The play call, though, from Mark Whipple was very frustrating, where fourth and one, and he's done this quite a few times this season. Fourth and one, people expect a run, so you drop back and you pass deep, and Jordan Addison's wide open, and that's how you score a touchdown. Well, The problem is you've done that multiple times. So Wake knew what to expect. So it ended up just being uh, reverse psychology in reverse, where Pitt thought that they were going to use reverse psychology, but Wake already knew what they were expecting. So the best thing to do when it's fourth and one is to hand the ball. And by the way, Israel Abana Canada at that point had been in the game running well. At that point, you hand the ball off to Izzy and you get the first down. But they didn't do that. It was a turnover on downs. And that also could have been a turning point in the game if, again, next drive, Wake goes and scores a touchdown and goes up by 14 points. Well, from then on, the defense really stepped up. Uh, Really, actually, the drive before. After Wake scored their third touchdown, the pit defense was absolutely remarkable, which is shocking. If you could go back to any person watching that game after the first three drives where Wake Forest scores three touchdowns, and say, pit defense is not going to allow another point this game. And not only that, the pit defense isn't going to let Wake cross the 40-yard line. They're not even going to let Wake within field goal range, within far field goal range. They won't even let that happen for the rest of this game. You would have been committed into an Asylum. I mean, that's how insane it sounded. The defense was so bad. I've never seen anything like this. So bad for the first three drives, and so good for the rest of the game. It's absolutely amazing how they were able to turn it around. But that's what they did. And credit to Randy Bates and Pat Narduzzi for making adjustments. That's been a criticism: was that they couldn't make adjustments. But they did, and they really focused on getting after Sam Hartman and pressuring him. And they got the interception, and and they forced a punt, and they forced a punt, and they forced a punt. They really got after Sam Hartman by pressuring him, by not giving him time, by sacking him, by bringing him down. And so even when the offense was struggling, the defense kept the team in it. And again, after the first good chunk of the first quarter, when Pitt scores two touchdowns and two drives, two touchdowns and two drives, Wake scores three touchdowns and three drives, if you told anyone, the Pitt's going to win this game because of their defense. The defense isn't going to allow another point or another trip past the own, the, the Pitt 40-yard line. You would have been viewed as an insane person. But they turned things around completely. It was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The Pitt offense started out red hot, and then they just fell off. The Pitt defense started out horribly, and then they turned it on. And it was really shocking to see because I did not expect that. I did not expect there to be such a massive turnaround where Pitt would go from horrible on defense to really incredible. And then that gave Pitt time where, you know, on offense, uh, Kenny Pickett had a passing touchdown to Jared Wayne. Uh, they they kept forcing punts from Wake and then uh, late in the half, even though there was some, I'll say it, some pretty bad uh clock management from Pat Narduzzi in terms of using the timeouts, they were able to march down the field in the two-minute offense, really more like one-minute offense, get the ball into field goal range, and Sam Skarton hit a 41-yard field goal. I mean, that was, to go into to halftime leading after playing not a very good game uh, for a good chunk was pretty incredible. And then starting in the third quarter, again, it looked to be uh, you know, again, grind it out. it was wake punt and then a pit punt and then wake punt and then a pit punt and wake and pit and just go back and forth. and this whole time Pitts leading by three points, and no one's comfortable. And then comes the defining plays of uh, the game. Uh, Eric Hallett gets a huge interception uh, to give uh, Pitt some great field position that because at that point it was just a field position battle with all these punts. But it gave Pitt excellent uh uh field uh field position. Then Pitt had the ball at the 50. Israel Abanica came in the game, ran really well. I mean, he is such a talent. He's he's got to be in the game moving forward. He is the leading running back. He has to be. Uh so he came in and he started running really well and they really established a run game. He ended up getting a rushing touchdown. Then uh maybe the second biggest play of the game in terms of, you know, momentum. There were three monumental plays. Kenny Pickett fake slide is one. This is number two, which is, so now at this point, Pitt's up 10. People still don't really feel comfortable. Uh, it's, it's it you know, late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, but people don't really feel comfortable. Wake has the ball. Again, the Pitt defense is getting pressure on Sam Hartman. He throws a duck. It's intercepted uh, by A.J. Woods. He runs it. This was at about the uh, 50-yard line. And he runs it all the way to the 3-yard line. (laughs) I mean, it was just incredible. He ran it so far. The blocking was great from defensive players. It was excellent blocking. And he made it all the way to the 3-yard line. And that stadium, Bank of America Stadium, was absolutely rocking. Again, the three biggest plays. The Kenny Pickett fake slide blew the lid off the place. This interception from Woods blew the lid off the place. It was incredible. And that was the first moment that I think Pitt fans started to accept that this might happen. That there's, it looks like this is going to happen. Not 100%, but it looks like this is going to happen. Uh, especially after then there were it took until third down to get the touchdown from the three. The first two uh, they could not punch it in, and so you start to think, "Oh God, are they going to have to settle for a field goal here?" And then it's still a, a two-score game uh, where you're only up by 13 points. But then on third down they punch it in, they get the touchdown, and now Pitt has a commanding lead, um, and and they're up 38 to 21. And so at this point, it's it's the fourth quarter. I think people. They've now seen Sam Hartman, something's off. He's off his game. The Pitt defense has got to him. He's scared. Whatever it is, uh, and and people are starting to feel it. They're starting to feel the Pitt's going to win this game. The third biggest play of this, er, sorry, the final of the three biggest plays, because I can't even rank them. This was maybe the least important to the overall result, because Pitt probably wins the game without this. But it was the dagger that allowed the rest of the game to be just a celebration, which was Sam Hartman again back to pass and again throws an interception again to Eric Hallett. And at that point, Hallett has a clear field in front of him, runs it all the way down. It's a full pick six touchdown and Pitt now up 45 to 21. That was it. That was the moment that it went from, you know, the first Kenny Pickett run, huge moment because it sets the tone for the game. People feel great, and it was a great play. The second huge play was nearly a pick six. They get it to the three-yard line, and that's when people are feeling, okay, I think Pitt is going to do this. I I really think Pitt's going to do this. It's not, I have to be terrified now. It's, okay, this looks like it's going to happen. The pick six from Eric Hallett, that was, it's over. That was, this game is done, Wake Forest can't come back, the ACC Championship will belong to Pitt, it's just a matter of minutes. And the place absolutely exploded, it was a remarkable scene for Pitt fans, just the joy was incredible, and for the rest of the game that was there, because at that point the game was over, Pitt was up 45-21, to 21. Wake Forest couldn't do a damn thing on offense and Pitt didn't need to do anything on, on their offense. So for the rest of the game, it was just a party. I mean, at the end of the third quarter, they're playing Sweet Carolina. People are celebrating. They were playing Starships uh, by by Nicki Minaj in one of the the media timeouts. And the pit players are jumping up down and the students and the fans. And, like, it's just the biggest pit party in the world. And it was amazing to see with people just celebrating because – With Pitt fans, it's always, oh, something's going to happen. Something's going to go wrong. Something bad is about to happen. Pitt's going to somehow blow this. At that point, there were no thoughts there. Everyone there was just celebrating. Everyone there was just happy. And they got to bask in the enjoyment that, hey, Pitt is really good. And Pitt is going to win the ACC. And it was like nothing I've ever seen before. Where people, it was just pure elation. That people could just celebrate and unwind and not have to worry about, well, what way can Pitt lose this? They just got to celebrate and enjoy Pitt football and enjoy what they were seeing. And it was a really special moment. And it was like that for the final, uh, really, almost the entire fourth quarter was like that, really. Uh, where nothing happened and people were just celebrating and it was a big party. I mean, it was just an incredible sight to see with all these pit fans, for once, not being neurotic, not wondering how this is going to go wrong, but just getting to celebrate. It was a really special moment. And, uh, you know, so, so overall then, you know, the whistle blows, the final, teams run out on the field, trophy ceremony, they play Sweet Caroline again, they do the alma mater at the end. Again, it just became... Like a forty five minute long, thirty forty five minute long massive pit celebration. It was all, these thousands and thousands of diehard pit fans in one area just celebrating the biggest achievement this program has had in decades in modern history for the lives that uh, of many of the fans there. I'm twenty eight. This has never happened. Uh, in terms of uh, you know pit football, it just never happened, and so uh, you know for this to to for them to accomplish this really is uh, something remarkable. And uh, you know again all the credit in the world because uh, I I didn't think it would happen. I think a lot of people there didn't think it would happen, and that it finally did. When it became clear, and Pitt fans had the whole fourth quarter and post game and all that to celebrate, and still now, uh, it's really, really special, uh, and and it was really special to see. So hats off to everyone who made this happen. Hats off to to Chancellor Pat Gallagher, to Athletic Director Heather Like, to Head Coach Pat Narduzzi. He he did the thing that no one could do. He did the thing that the beloved Dave Wonstadt couldn't do. I mean, this really is incredible. And yes, there were some mistakes. Yes. You know, the defense looked bad early, and people were questioning that. The clock management toward halftime. But ultimately, they got it done. And that's what matters. And so all the credit to, to him for, for achieving this. This was not with someone else's players. This was him building up the program and winning the ACC. Uh, hats off to to Mark Whipple, who I think would probably, after the Peach Bowl, uh, enjoy retirement. Uh, and walk off into the sunset because there are still some issues there. But, I mean, you can't deny the talent and, and you know, what they've been able to do with, with these players. So hats off to him. Hats off to Randy Bates. That defense played phenomenally after the first three drives. I cannot believe it, and obviously there are still some problems, but uh, the defense played so incredibly well and had these huge plays, these huge sacks, these huge interceptions that it, it genuinely shocked me. So hats off to Randy Bates in the defense. Kenny Pickett for, again, having a huge game, for getting an ovation, a, a standing ovation from the Pit fans in the fourth quarter, being able to leave the game early and get that ovation. Hats off to him for what he's been able to do this year. This season would not happen without Kenny Pickett at the quarterback position. Hats off to Jordan Addison, uh, who was remarkable as a wide receiver. He had one huge catch by the sideline in that game. Uh, to preserve a drive down the field. He's a stellar receiver. Hats off to Israel Abanacanda, who came in when the running game needed a jolt, and he was excellent. Hats off to Eric Hallett, who had two huge interceptions, including the pick six uh, that ended the game. Just such a special moment, and he ended up winning ACC Championship MVP. I mean, he won player of the game for that one. Uh, Hats off to A.J. Woods, who had that other huge interception that it, it probably sealed it. I mean, of course, the the final pick six is the one that did it. But the A.J. Woods thing, like I said, that was the moment that everyone said, okay, I think Pitt, they're going to win the ACC. And that was the moment. So hats off to him for what he was able to do. Servassier Dennis, who had two sacks, he had 10 total tackles. And that defensive line and that pass rush that was able to get after Sam Hartman after those first three drives, hats off to them. Uh, Hats off to EJ Borghetti uh, and the the Pitt Media Relations team for, you know, making sure that nationwide people were talking about this program. People were talking about Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison and all these people involved with making this season so remarkable that people had to pay attention. Um, So hats off to them. And then hats off to Pitt fans. This is uh, such a... It's so unique being a pit fan, because almost all the time, it's despair, and people were, you know, for for years and years, they were hoping, they were praying, they would hope that something would happen, thinking in the back of their minds that it never would. But in this game, in this season, something happened that will validate pit fans for the rest of their lives, which is... If you're a Pit fan, it's not just, hey, I root for this team and yeah, they were really good back in the day, but I've never seen it. And, you know, being a Pit fan sucks because you always root for them, but they always let you down. It's this was the validation. This was a season giving you what you wanted and giving Pit fans what they deserved. For a group as dedicated as Pit fans, for all those fans to make it down to Charlotte, plus all those that couldn't get down but were watching from home to be able to to celebrate this team. It's really incredible, and so hats off to pit fans for being pit fans and having it pay off and getting that reward because pit fans deserve it. They're so passionate, and for so long it was just you know gut punch after gut punch, but finally, you know things went their way and pit fans got to celebrate this season and this game, and they're ACC champs just as much as uh, the 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 players and the, well, maybe not just as much as, but I mean, certainly a, a, a major part of it where the fans, uh, you know, being at this game and being there all season long and cheering on this team and their support to the program. If you're a Pitt fan, you've stuck with this team for as long as you have, whether that's a few years, whether that's your entire life, um, I, I mean, hats off to you for, for sticking with Pitt and then for Pitt finally being able to repay the fans, uh, all that dedication. It was really a special moment. Uh, We're going to take a very quick break, then we'll come back just to talk about some awards, some rankings, the bowl game. Uh, I know this is running long, but that's what happens when you win an ACC. Uh, So we'll be right back. Stay tuned to Unscripted. Okay, we are back. A couple notes, news and notes. Kenny Pickett, officially a Heisman finalist. Something that we've been banging the drum about all season long. This guy has to be a Heisman finalist, if not win. Now the winning seems to be off the table. Bryce Young had uh, a great final drive against Auburn in the last regular season game. Overall in that game, I insist he wasn't great. But at the end of the game, he played really well. The thing that really nailed it, though, was in the SEC Championship against Georgia, he was phenomenal. Uh, now, ultimately, if I had a ballot, I still think I'd probably vote for Kenny Pickett because their stats are similar. And ultimately, you have to look at what they've done with the talent around them and and how valuable they are to the team. And if you put Kenny Pickett in the Bama system or if you put Bryce Young in the Pitt system, what would happen? So I I think Kenny Pickett has done just as much, but with a lot less. So I think I'd vote for him, but Bryce Young has been excellent. He's going to win the Heisman, and, and credit to him. But Kenny Pickett, what a season. And to be a finalist, the first Pitt finalist for the Heisman since Larry Fitzgerald in 2002, that is an honor, and it's a privilege, and he gets to go to New York and be celebrated by the whole college football world. Uh, mazel tough to Kenny Pickett, just really happy for him because he deserves it. Now, other Panthers have deserved it too. Aaron Donald did, James Conner did, but Kenny Pickett 100% deserves to be a Heisman finalist, and he officially is, uh, so that's just great news for him. Also, Beletnikoff award. Jordan Addison, that's coming up. I think he has to win. I think he's the favorite. He, he's been remarkable. He proved it in that ACC championship with that stellar catch by the sideline. He got two feet in. That's an NFL catch, not just a college football catch. Uh, he's got to be the Bletnikov winner. Uh, Pitt's ranking, now, ultimately, Pitt. It, it's about celebrating at this point. It's about being happy. They're still ranked too low. I- I'm sorry. If the if first of all, the AP poll is atrocious because they have BYU uh, above Pitt. That's absurd. I mean, Pitt is 11 and two. BYU is 10 and two. BYU's not in a conference therefore didn't win a conference championship and they they're yeah they they beat Utah but I mean outside of that they don't have a good win. So I just don't understand how anyone could have BYU above Pitt. So the AP poll is terrible. You don't really have to care about that because it doesn't matter. Uh the the playoff rankings poll has Pitt at 12. Which is the lowest of the New Year six New Year six teams? Uh, I think that's a bit too low. I would have Pitt. You could make the case for Pitt to be somewhere around seven and eight if they really are valuing conference championships, which they say that they are, and is in their criteria that that matters a lot is conference championships. But even without that being the kingmaker, you know, okay. Ohio State, I get it. Baylor, I get it. Ole Miss, I get it. Uh, Oklahoma State, to some extent, I get it. Michigan State and Utah, I don't know. I, I mean, I know that Michigan State, they've got maybe the best win of the season by beating Michigan. But, I mean, ultimately, they beat Michigan. But that's their one great game. Uh, I, I don't think they're a phenomenal team. I think they're a very good team, but I don't think they deserve to be ranked ahead of a conference champion with the same rank. Rec- In fact, a half a game better. Pitt is eleven and two. Michigan State is ten and two. And yes, you beat Michigan, and yes, that's an incredible win. Michigan sort of choked that game away, and it's a huge rivalry. But you know, okay, you that win, all the you know, you get credit for it. Outside of that. Their best win in the non-conference was against Miami. Miami's not that good this year. Uh, And in the rest of the Big Ten, uh, they beat Penn State by three points. Penn State was bad this year. Uh, And they got destroyed by Ohio State. So I just don't... I mean, if they score four fewer points against Michigan or five fewer points against Michigan, uh, you know, that's just a mediocre, like a mid-level team. So I don't think Michigan State should be above them. and Utah. I don't get that either, because, yeah, they have a conference championship, but so does Pitt. And the ACC might not have had as good of a team as Oregon this year, or at least as Oregon seemed to be for much of the year, but the ACC was a deeper conference, and Pitt is a full game better than Utah. Pitt is 11 and two, Utah is 10 and three. So I don't know how you say, two teams that both won conference championships, one team has a full. Better for one game advantage over the other in terms of record that you could put Utah ahead of Pitt. I mean they lost to San Diego State and San Diego State ended up losing their conference championship. They're not a great team they lost to BYU BYUs good but they lost to Oregon State Oregon State not very good and yeah, they beat Oregon twice, but Oregon down the stretch started looking pretty bad so I just don't understand how two teams with very similar resumes, but one of them is a full game better, I don't know how you have them behind. So to me, it's insane that Pitt is 12 instead of 11 and maybe even 10. You could even make the case to have them above Oklahoma State, in my opinion. But to have them you know, behind Oklahoma State and Michigan State and Utah at 12, to me, that's just absurd. I mean, ultimately, you've got a chance coming up. Uh, to to move into the top 10, but I just think it's insane that they're at 12 right now. The chance coming up, it's going to be the Peach Bowl. Uh, Coming up again on December 30th, it's a Thursday. Uh, It's not ideal, but, you know, it's just a weird schedule this year because New Year's Day falls on a Saturday, which means normally college football has two big days to, to show off. They've got the Saturday around New Year's, plus they have New Year's Day this year because it's the same day. You really only have one big day to show off. And the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl are both locked in on that day for reasons that I don't understand, especially the Sugar Bowl. So that means that the college football playoff is going to be played on New Year's Eve where people aren't paying attention to college football because they're just drinking and celebrating and watching Anderson Cooper. So the college football playoff is on Friday the 31st. The best rated games are going to be on Saturday, New Year's Day, Uh, even though those games don't matter as much, Uh, so Pitt doesn't get the 31st, they don't get the first, Uh, the first would probably be, in fact, it would be ideal, they don't get the first, but they do get the 30th, where the NFL is not playing, it's a Thursday night, they will have the window all all to themselves, it's not the ideal window, but okay, in terms of matchups, it is the ideal matchup, in my opinion, the only other teams Pitt, likely going to play it was probably either Michigan State or Notre Dame maybe an outside chance of Ole Miss but you know for the most part it looked like it was either going to be Michigan State or Notre Dame Pitt plays Notre Dame every few years you don't need to see them again and Michigan State you've got the intrigue of it being you know the Pat Narduzzi Bowl the the place where he coached for so long as the defensive coordinator versus now the place where he's been head coach for so long so there's that connection. And also, it's just a great matchup for Pitt. Michigan State, their entire offense comes from the running game. It comes from Kenneth Walker, who's a great running back. But Pitt is excellent at stopping the run game. And then Michigan State on defense is terrible at stopping the pass. And Pitt is has maybe the best quarterback in the country and maybe the best pass offense in the country. So this is just an incredible matchup for Pitt. So overall, I think it's a winnable game. It's a big game. I, I think you couldn't ask for too much more until there's an expanded playoff and, and Pitt gets the eight seed or the twelve seed or whatever it is, again, and has to play Alabama or Georgia or whoever in the first round. You know, there's pros and cons with both. In that case, yeah, you're in the playoff, but you probably get crushed by Bama or Georgia, whereas here you can finish the season with a win. So I, I see benefits to both. Either way, there's no expanded playoff yet, so this is literally the best thing that you could hope for, and they're going to get it. They're going to get a chance in the Peach Bowl against Michigan State, and a good chance to win. And if they do that, they'd finish the season on a win in the top ten in front of a national audience. It'd be a really special way to wrap things up. And uh, finally, before we go, pit volleyball. Huge shout out to them. They got a win. Literally, I think as the pit football game is being played. They beat Penn State in the NCAA tournament. They knocked out Penn State, bitter rivals. They knocked them out, and they moved on to the Sweet 16 of uh, NCAA uh, volleyball. So just a a huge run they're on. And for Pitt volleyball, they've been great for years, but it's finally time for them to win a national championship. I think they could do it this year. So we're going to keep an eye on them because they are on such a roll, and they got a huge victory over Penn State. Panther of the Week, you can't single anyone out. Pit football, Pit fans, you know, everyone, ACC champs, Panther of the Week, it's everyone. It's a full team effort. And uh, and so that is where the honor goes this week. Um, so that will do it for this episode. Uh, I want to try something interesting next episode. Uh, I, I want to hear from you, from from Pit fans, from people who were either watching the game at home or who were there, uh, what your experience was like. What. It was like for you in those moments when Kenny Pickett had the fake slide, when there was the the near pick six from Woods, when there was the actual pick six uh, from Hallett, when Pitt lifted the trophy, uh, when you went out after the game, whatever it is, whatever your experience was, whatever your perspective was, uh, you know, just however you're feeling about what's happened um, so far, you know, this season and what happened that weekend, this past weekend uh with pit football I want to hear your perspectives I want to hear your experience uh, so here's what we're going to do if you record uh, a voice memo on your phone and please keep it to like 30 seconds or less uh and then email it to me uh we'll play it on the podcast next week and uh and and we'll do that so like I said I w- I want to hear from you so record a voice memo on your phone like 30 seconds or less About your experience, your perspective, what this means to you, what it was like for you seeing all this happen uh, on Saturday. uh, And then send it to me. My email is C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. That's Corey E. Cohen at Yahoo.com. So send that to me, a voice memo. And, uh, you know, if I get a few good ones, I'll uh, play them on the pod next week. as sort of a, a celebration episode for Pit football. So that's what we're going to do is send me a, a voice memo to CoreyECohen at Yahoo.com. C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N at Yahoo.com. And uh, if there's some good ones. We will play them on the podcast next week because I want to hear what your experiences were, what your perspectives are, what this means to you. Uh, until then, that will do it for this episode of Unscripted. Uh, want to thank you all so much for joining us for this episode and all season long. Uh, just what a remarkable season! It's been such a joy uh, to to be along for the ride. Uh, the party's not ending. We're still going to be talking pit football next week. We're going to be talking about the peach ball. I want to hear from you guys. So it's still going on. And of course, in pit basketball season, uh, we're going to be following pit volleyball. Of course, all that good stuff. Uh, but you know, for now. Pit football, ACC champs, absolutely incredible. And now's a chance for all pit fans everywhere to just celebrate and to be happy. Just pure, unbridled joy. That's what it's all about at this point. Uh, please follow, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you get podcasts, just search for Cardiac Hill and subscribe. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Corey E. Cohen. And uh, hope to hear from you uh, this upcoming week. Until next time. I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast, home of your ACC football champion, Kit Pack.